0: day we will remember the 23 people who tragically lost their lives as a result of the Munich Air disaster, including eight of our Busby babes. Jeff Bent, Roger Byrne, Eddie Coleman, Duncan Edwards, Mark Jones, David Peck, Tommy Taylor Liam Whelan Trolls' dominant and exciting Manchester United display unravelled before our very eyes after Casemiro sending off and yet... The results remained intact. Against the very opposition this side had gifted away a valuable two points less than a month ago, the Reds held out a relentless display of grit and determination in trying circumstances. What had looked like a comfortable home victory against out-of-form lesser opposition instead now represents an impressive test of character. United, the victors over Crystal Palace. And that belief thing, well... It just keeps on growing. A very warm welcome to the Manchester United Weekly Podcast. Thank you for joining me, Harry Robinson and Jack Tate. We'll jump into our review of the Palace game very shortly and in the rest of the show, we'll have a detailed preview of our rearranged home game against Leeds on Wednesday night. Leeds having just sacked their manager, Jesse Marsh, Just before we record this, we'll play guest the player throughout. You'll get your regular extensive youth loan and United Women Roundup, and our patrons will get a bonus Q&A in the middle of the show, as well as ad-free early release episodes for as little as a £1.50 fee per month. Let's start with one thing, Jack. Because they can uh, play football. Tenag is absolutely right. This side can play fucking good football. The second goal, I think, is where I want to start because there's plenty more to discuss. But before we get caught up in VR and Reds and Grit and Lissandra Martinez, United's second goal against Palace, having got a, a nice fortunate penalty early on to to make things calm and put us in front and make things fairly relaxed. The second goal was just just brilliant to watch, brilliantly well worked and possibly the best, how how do I phrase this, the best goal in terms of Ten Hag's style of play that we expected from seeing his Ajax teams coming through at Manchester United?
1: Yeah, I think it's right up there with Anthony's goal against Arsenal at home early in the season. I think those two are goals that stand out to me as the ones that really... Put into practice a lot of what we expected and what we expect to see more of from Ten Hag's Man United going forward. Nine outfield players, Varane was the only one that didn't touch the ball, were involved in the build-up to Rashford's goal. We worked it across the pitch. It starts from a throw-in in the right-back area. Fred gets it from the throw-in out to Martinez. We work it across to the left wing. It goes out to the right wing. wan Saka was also heavily involved in this goal and in part of it in sort of a central midfield role. Again, showing this kind of tactical flexibility that United have, are gaining more and more. You know, it's just the speed that we move the ball on, on the edge of the box, I think is, A, is, is just as a general point, the key to breaking down deep blocks, which Palace were playing at that point. And I think it's the thing that United have struggled the most with over the last three or four years yeah. when, when we struggled to break down again. deep blocks. Yeah. yeah. You know, how many times have we come on this podcast I said it was too slow. We didn't pull defenders out of position. We Our movement wasn't good enough. You know, everything... From the the time that Anthony plays the ball to Bruno Fernandes until it goes into Garnacho, everything was one or two touch. I think it was Anthony into Fernandes in, into Wambasaka, It was all one touch. Wambasaka was two touches. Casemiro was first time into Garnacho, and then Garnacho dribbles across the box and Shaw's crosses first time. You know that is the yeah. way to beat teams that are sitting back. You pull defenders out of position. You move the ball quickly, and that was that down to a tee.
0: And, and Garnacho's role is particularly notable because in that moment. I think we got an of a couple of months ago and possibly all of United's players a few months ago would have taken that left-footed shot as he walked across or, or jogged across the penalty area, but instead found that extra pass to Shaw who then got the cross to Rashford. And it's it's fairly easy to describe, isn't it? But the to create football like that, is very difficult. And we spoke in our Ten Hag review about 10 or 12 episodes ago now, which seems a long time ago, as we were reviewing him at the end of November and the work he'd done at United so far. We spoke about how impressed we were with the the development of character and the defence at United, but we are waiting to see this attacking identity come through. And I don't think we were expecting it to come as quickly as November. So we weren't, I don't think we were worried about that. We were just saying that's what we hoped for the second half of the season. The other thing we hoped for was to win games by more than one goal. That wasn't the case on on Saturday, but we've seen that a lot more recently. And this is kind of the second stage. And I think it represents an overall, especially the last few weeks, I don't know about you, but I get the sense watching this, this really, the last few weeks have felt like a real improvement, not necessarily results because they were going well anyway, but in both how United play in and out of possession, you're thinking, wow, not only am I enjoying this, but I'm really noticing differences now. And that's that's brilliant, isn't it?
1: Yeah, not only noticing differences, but noticing differences in, I think, areas where even throughout Ten Hag's time so far, there's clearly been deficiencies and struggles for United. I think earlier on in the season, we talked a lot about how United are really good in attacking transitions and really bad in defensive transitions. And A lot of our goals earlier in the season came from attacking transitions, even when they were great goals. They often came from when we've just won the ball back, rather than us being able to keep the ball for long periods of time in really structured attacks and break teams yeah. down. I think that, that's why we, we raved so much about the Anthony goal against Arsenal at the time, because it was so different to pretty much any other goal that we had scored at that point in the season. Yeah. You know, it's still a work in progress obviously, but even when they aren't leading to goals, it feels like this United team are starting to develop a lot in terms of how we're able to a control games but b and more importantly able to break teams down and create good chances for ourselves even when they are trying to shut space down, keep a relatively deep block. You know, it's something we haven't had a good skill set at for a number of years and it will take time to to keep getting better at it, but we are starting to show a bit more tactical flexibility. You mentioned Garnacho coming inside. You know, he was started that attack out on the left wing, ended up picking up the ball on the right side of the penalty box. Juan bissaka was playing almost as a central midfielder at that point. Casemiro is in what is sort of yeah. a traditional number 10 kind of role where he, when he picks up the ball and plays it into Garnacho. So we're starting to see this United team open up a little bit, like I said, a little bit more positional flexibility, especially when we have the ball. But you know, it's it's good signs for for United for going forward. That it, you know, this we we talked a lot about this kind of dichotomy between Ten Hag's more pragmatic approach that he's had so far this season, and at some point we will kind of switch to this more expansive, kind of more in the mold of his IX team. That's not going to be a an overnight thing. You know, it's not like we're going to no, United those, one day yeah. and think yes, this, this is the switch. It, it's going to take time, and I think we're it, we're clearly nowhere near the finished article yet. But I think we're starting to see a few shoots of. Those kind of principles being introduced to the way that we're playing.
0: No, yeah, it's, it's, it's the result of a lot of work on the training ground. And I think probably also a result of how much this team has played together, at least the key players in this team has played together. We'll talk about rotation later, particularly in the Patreon Q&A, because we have a question about, the, about it or the lack of it under Ten Hag so far. But the the benefit of rotating your, your key players, the core of your team very little is that this kind of thing can probably progress a little quicker than it than it would were you switching team every every week or switching five or six players every week to to benefit fitness levels. I liked how Ten Argo also called it a, a tribute to the football played by the Bosby Babes after a, a poignant pre-match a uh, few minutes of remembrance, flowing attacking football finished off by an academy graduate and involving another in Garnett. So it was, yeah, I liked how Ten noticed that. I've just been watching the Munich Memorial Service and he was there as well with uh, loads of representatives including Harry Maguire and Katie Zellum and Mark Skinner as well. We best move on to uh, the other key matter of the game, the the scrap. Anthony shoved into the advertising audience by uh, Jeffrey Schlupp, who then scored Palace's goal after United went down to 10 because Casemiro was sent off. Uh, at the time, well, let, let's discuss the actual red card itself. first. I think it's fair. I think it could be definitely argued and should be argued that others should have got yellow or reds, but I don't think you can put some your hands on someone's neck and Casemiro is the experienced leader of this team and should know better, really. I do think getting involved is great. And what it's the kind of thing we've been crying out for years. So it's the, a very fine margins and um, in terms of stepping over the line, he's only just gone over it, but it is the, yeah. What, what do you, do you think a red was fair? Cause you have more refereeing expertise than I do.
1: Yeah, I do. Um, look, I, I understand why there's some angst about it, I guess, because I don't think what Casemiro was doing was, I don't think he was trying to strangle Will Hughes. or It Carver. wasn't
0: violent, was it? Right,
1: exactly. And, the fact that it goes down as violent conduct probably doesn't help that fact, but yeah. I, don't, I don't care if you're literally just going up to, to give someone a hug. You can't grab a player around their neck. It, yeah, you I you think the
0: angle, the angle that made... So I, I, I was baffled by this post-match when I had very little signal on my phone. I couldn't load any proper videos of it. And I just saw a few, fleetingly saw a few tweets saying, How, how's that I read? And, and people justifying it and just thought, like, to be honest, you, you've just got to be more sensible there. But the only angle that, that did make me rethink it a bit when I saw it the next day was the video from a fan in the stands just next to it where you see Casemiro grab his shirt rather than his neck and you think, okay, it looks bad, but should they have been looking at, at angles that showed that instead? Was he just grabbing the collars of his shirt rather than his neck itself? Because in that case, it's I think it's much a much harder decision to make. But I haven't really got that, that many complaints over it the silver lining of course is is that he'll be well rested for the the Barcelona double and league cup final and he can put all of his focus on that it, he will be missed against leeds particularly away from home i think what's crucial to the to the whole discussion is it's it's the mentality that saw so many united players go in there and get stuck in which we then saw even without casemiro on the pitch for the remaining 20 to 25 minutes and that's the attitude and mentality that got us over the line in terms of the result
1: yeah it was <laughs> i mean The game switched so quickly after a red car, which can obviously happen, but I think before getting on to the good stuff, I was a bit disappointed with how quickly we let things get out of control.
0: And how
1: it felt like almost And I
0: would say how long it took to make changes from a Ten Hag point of view as well. I was very surprised. I think it was about twelve minutes in the end. There was just this sense of we've lost the midfielder here. What's wh- when is the change going to come? And then Palace scored, and you thought, oh God, this could be this could be too late. And there's a couple of times I, c- I can't remember the examples now, uh, but there's been a couple of times this season when Tenargues might have been City, actually, is one I can remember where City suddenly started to assert a bit of dominance and he was waiting to make the change. And the change literally came, I think, a minute after City's goal. And you just thought, That's it's too late there. You've let the game get away from you. And I felt we did that with Palace as well.
1: Yeah, it it, yeah, City. You're right, and it. I, I thought, I felt it happened against Arsenal as well at the Emirates a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. It yeah. was. I just looked. It was 70 minutes when Casemiro got sent off. It was 81 when we brought on Sabitzer. 76 when Palace scored. So even after the goal went in, we still left it five minutes yeah. before making a change. After that, I, yeah, I was disappointed with how. Like I, you obviously knew at that point that at the end of the game we were obviously going to lose a lot of our control and we probably were going to have to defend. You know, kind of all hands on deck, kind of defending towards the end of the the game, but. I was disappointed how quickly it turned into that, even before the goal. You know, the first five or six minutes, Palace were all over us. Yeah, we were a man down, but, you know, we still have good good players on the pitch. To quote Ten Hag, we're still fucking good at football. You know, there was, we could easily have, have still maintained some amount of control in that game. Having said that, I think once that first goal went in from Palace, the defending was very, very good. I mean, Martinez, it was just heroic at times, (laughs) you know, the amount of, and even before that, to be fair, he he was very, very good in the game. I actually thought Subitza came on and it was obviously a a weird moment for him to come on, but I thought he did quite well. A couple of nice breakups and one with, I can't believe the ref gave a foul in midfield when he played Rashford and we had a two on one. Yeah, the ref seemed to, know who it was.
0: I think there were some poor decisions before, but only in, in in kind of a regular sense before the red card. And I, I have, I don't really have any complaints about the red card, but afterwards, Decisions seem to get stranger and stranger, and if and not just against United, I thought there were a couple of quite soft fouls that he gave United that he wasn't given earlier in the game, and you thought has he just lost a little bit of composure here? And I wouldn't be I wouldn't be entirely surprised if he had because it was a big decision to make, and the atmosphere was very intense after that. Martinez was amazing, and I think we're just absolutely in love with the man. He's just absolutely brilliant, and uh, yeah, co- completely the perfect centre back and the perfect character in the team when for a, for a player as big in performance and attitude as Casemiro to go off, you, you want someone else to be able to step up and fill that void. And Martinez did that fantastically. The, the block for, I can't remember who it was, but one of the blocks was just, was just brilliant. And yeah, it's a bit, it's a very weird coming on. I thought the least you can ask for from someone on their debut is intensity and energy. And that's not beyond your first couple of games you need a lot more than that but I think that's all you can really ask for and I think he did more than that not only did he bring that immediately but his reading of the game was excellent and, and helped stop from memory to good chances probably more
1: yeah yeah I thought, yeah. like you said it, you can't really read too much into anything that he put out there but I thought yeah he, he broke up play quite well on a couple of occasions like I mentioned before there was that one where he did brilliantly to dispossess I don't actually know who it was in midfield it, it might have been Decoré. But he dispossessed him, looked like a great tackle and then played a nice ball around the corner into Rashford and we had a two-on-one going through on goal and Andre Mariner somehow brought it back. Palace weren't even appealing for a foul, which was, it was a baffling decision, but we're obviously going to see more of the bits now over the next few few games. It's an interesting one for United with the Casemiro red card as well because it feels like one that we may have appealed ordinarily but if you appeal there's a chance it gets extended by a game and covers the League Cup final so I definitely don't think we'll be seeing that and to be fair it wouldn't have got over I think because of
0: that we won't appeal let's let's have the first guest to play a clue and then we'll talk a little bit about how the game changed either side of the red card because I think there were some really positive things before the red card and we'll get onto that your first clue, this is me setting you, there'll be three clues throughout the show for those of you who've forgotten or are listening for the first time, if so, a very warm welcome, especially to you if you're listening for the first time. Three clues, the quicker you get it, the the better you, uh, the more points you get. Um, and it's always a United player, ex-player or staff member or ex-staff member or someone linked to the club. And your first clue, Jack, with me setting them this week for you is I scored two goals on my Manchester United debut and that's all you're having. <laughs> Jeez. I would assume you don't want to make a, a risky guess immediately.
1: No, I mean, but the only player that ever comes to mind really is Rashford. But I don't think, I feel like if you were going to give me something about Rashford, you'd give me a much harder clue than that because he's so uh, top of mind. You
0: don't think I'd give you a, a mean, double yeah. bluff, a red herring, send you on a...
1: <laughs> well, I hope not. But, maybe, maybe you would now that you've said that. I'm trying to think who uh, else even sort of comes to mind.
0: I'll let you I'll let you mull it over while we talk about this. Before the red card, I think he's worth talking about because we controlled the game very well. And I think it, we spoke earlier about the progression in terms of that attacking identity is what I said earlier. It's not exactly the right word. Just those moments where you think, wow, I'm really seeing a different uh, quality in terms of the way that United can drag defences apart here. The other thing I've seen over the last few weeks and I think I've seen this to a much much greater extent and I'm massively enthused by it since the return from the World Cup I think the key progress has been how United win the ball back those seconds after losing it is where we're seeing United press with such high intensity because I think we've all seen both with our eyes and statistically that United are not mimicking for example the early Liverpool team of Jurgen Klopp we're not hounding teams it's not pressing. we're controlling possession and now when we lose it the press in those transitional moments is so intense and becoming increasingly intense and increasingly successful and I think that links back to the earlier season thing we saw since the Liverpool game with the, the mentality but it's also awareness that positional awareness the level of training you need to know when to commit and when not to we're making those mistakes much much less frequently who covers where when someone does commit and I think it's Probably the main sign of progress in this team, at least in the last couple of months. And it makes United an intense team that the support in Old Trafford then responds to. And that's just a a wonderful virtuous circle.
1: It's not necessarily been that I don't think we're pressing that much higher up the pitch or that much more intensely as a matter of course. I think the difference for me has been how quickly we look to win the ball back after losing. Yeah, it's it.
0: those it's those moments. It's the f- about three or four seconds after you lose it, and that's yeah. Uh, uh, and the the thing you're seeing is that's why uh, Nottingham Forest at home. These are two games I remember most, but there have been others. But there's there's just so many they all blow into one beyond the last week or two. Nottingham Forest at home in the League Cup, the second leg. Yes, uh, kind of unique circumstances in that we went into the game three not up, but. That game and the first seventy minutes of the Palace game, especially the first half, the the intensity of that kind of transitional press. Then you, you, you then just you, you keep teams penned in, and that's something United have been just when we have done it. We've just looked so unlike scoring. It's been when teams want to sit back and they let us cross eighty four times or however many times it was in the David Moyes game against Fulham. It's never been to to quite to that extreme since that Moyes game. But there have been plenty of of examples that have come close where teams sit back and it looks like we're possession, but that's because we're being allowed to. This is now the other team are winning the ball back and we're just pushing them back again and again. And that that's so difficult to defend against. And it's why eventually almost every team crumbled in the face of Pep Guardiola's City when they're at their very best, which they're not quite at the moment, but they still have success in this form. And United are starting to get that. And the second goal against Palace is is a perfect example of
1: that. I'm a, I'm a big believer that at this level, if you let any team attack you pretty much non-stop for any amount of time in the, in the Premier League, You're going to concede. I think that whenever United play the likes of Arsenal or City recently, it frustrates me when you can't get out at all because a goal feels so inevitable. And United are starting to develop that side of their game. You're right, the first 70 minutes against Palace, and it it was the same against Forest in in the Cup. It was the same against Reading in the FA Cup before that as well. And it's even been a shift since the first few games after the World Cup. This isn't something I don't think that we've seen constantly since since the end of december or start of january for me it's really been the last like week or two is how quickly we're looking to win the ball back and it like you said it helps you keep teams penned in with the quality that united have on the pitch if we're non basically constantly attacking for you know 45 60, 50 60 minutes we're going to score goals we you know, we have that kind of quality in the, in our team and especially with the way that we're starting to develop breaking down those kind of deep blocks you know, we are going to be a very dangerous team it's been really noticeable to me and it was really noticeable in the first half against Palace in, in particular. I I thought, you know, Fred and Casemiro, Bruno Fernandes, Anthony, those are the ones that really stood out to me that just the work that we were putting in and Veghorst actually, who had a quiet game in general. But the, those players in particular really stood out to me as just working so, so hard in those first few seconds to win the ball back. After the first, Palace, the first like minute had quite a lot of the ball but honestly after that until about 25 minutes, yeah, they barely got out of their own half. We, we kept them penned in to a degree that I can't really remember from a United team very often at all in the last yeah, five years.
0: absolutely. And I'm, it's just... And, and the,
1: the other, the other thing, So just to add is that the, the big risk of doing this is that if you, if you commit three or four men around one player to win the ball back straight away and then you lose it or if you, sort of make a tackle and, and get unlucky with the, with the bounce and it ends up ricocheting to a Palace player, you know, you're you're massively short in defence. And two things, one, they didn't happen very often against Palace, so we did really well to actually win the ball back when we did commit players or we fouled them, which is a big part of doing this is that you have to be okay with making those tactical fouls. But then the second one as well is when you've got players like Lissandra Martinez and Rafa Moran at centre-back. You know, you have so much more confidence to do that. Even in the second half, before Casemiro's red card, so many times Martinez in particular was sweeping up brilliantly at the back when they were trying to play balls forward into Edouard. You know, one one time, Edouard did get in down kind of the left channel. Martinez tackles him out. I think won the ball back, didn't even go out for yeah. the corner. You know, having players like that over someone like Harry Maguire. And then again, um, that's not really to say that, you know, Maguire is terrible. It's just playing that kind of style is not his game because you're going to necessarily be leaving these centre-backs in a lot of isolated space with a lot of ground to cover and relying on them to probably win some one-on-one battles if we don't win that ball back in the first three or four seconds. And Martinez and Varane are exceptional at doing that.
0: Yeah, they're brilliant. And after the Reds. They just, they had to do more and more. And I think, yeah, we saw a similar intensity in terms of winning the ball back in certain moments, but it became much harder. And, and you mentioned this a example earlier with the stupid free kick that shouldn't have been given. But there were there were other examples like that where we almost managed to get out. There were a couple of balls to go on, actually, that weren't quite right. There was a, a couple from wan and a couple from Fred, actually, whose performance kind of declined after Casemiro went off, not entirely, surprisingly. But a couple of moments where... United did manage to win the ball back and could have got out and announced the counter-attack and never really managed to do it effectively. Those passes out weren't weren't good enough, which was a, a disappointment, something to work on. But yeah, those individual performances, especially Martinez, so it's a very good. But in general, also, I think that there were a couple of moments where we relied on Martinez's individual quality, but we did in general limit them to crosses, which isn't perfect, but it's it's better than what we've seen from United in the past. And the cliche of this game would be those are points we would have dropped in the past, and it's absolutely right.
1: Yeah, I mean, realistically, you only have to go back what One month, two weeks, three weeks. Yeah, <laughs> exactly to the Palace game at Selhurst Park. You know, it's very similar situation. A little bit different in that It wasn't quite as as much sort of all hands on deck, but very similar. That similar in that we were under a lot of pressure. And I mean, I don't think we defended terribly that game, but it felt even before Alisa's goal, we were living a little bit more on the edge than it yeah. felt like we were there was like one other decent chance that I can remember Palace having other than the goal I think it was a crossing yeah. when Martinez got a block on it really good block and then it fell to yeah. was it Mateta's feet I'm not sure also one thing that really I really noticed as well is despite all of the the hoo-ha about Martinez's height he, he he does so well for a player of his height in, in aerial battles there was one you can right forget the height the he does
0: so the well for post. a player of any height he just is good in the air Yeah, simple yeah, but fact yeah
1: it just it just makes it, it kind of elevates how good he is. There was one right at the end, I think it was like the 94th minute or something. There was a cross came in, it got looped up and then got headed back across goals and Martinez was up against Mateta. Mateta's what, like 6'3", six, 6'4", six, he's, yeah. he's a big, big player and Martinez does so well, ends up get, it head, jumping to base at the same height as Mateta and then he gets a flick on it and ends up coming off Mateta's head and going out for a goal kick. Like, that is the kind of area where we were all Slightly worried, and at the start of the season, we had you know pe- people like Thomas Frank saying they were targeting yeah. Martinez's height. That isn't yeah. happening anymore. I would love to. It.
0: I would love to have our final note of this match review section on Lissandra Martinez. But in terms of the bigger picture, this was a really good and important win, and the Old Trafford form is is just brilliant. Yeah. I can't remember. Is it twelve wins in a row, at Old Trafford? Might be thirteen. Yeah. Yeah. Just brilliant. And I mean, uh, yeah. I think after the forest game, me and my brother came away from the ground after a couple of hours and said, um, we were kind of had deja vu of walking away from Old Trafford the season before, thinking we used to come away from every game last season and work out whether United had won more than half of the games we'd seen them play that season. And that number and percentage of wins slowly started getting lower and lower as the season went on. And this season we've barely seen them lose a game. It's just ah uh, Football's great, isn't it? <laughs> changes <laughs> it's changes so winning. much. Yeah. Right, let's have uh, guess a guess of player clue two, and then we're going to go into our bonus patron Q&A with questions on Casimo's red card, on Martinez's height that we've just mentioned briefly, on Tanag's rotation, and on Fred. But your second of player clue, with your first having been, I scored twice on my debut for Manchester United. Your second clue is, I recently helped Port Vale to League One playoff glory at Wembley. Oh, Recently, helped Port Vale to League One playoff glory at Wembley.
1: Okay, so then let me try to narrow this down. So he's still playing. He's playing for Port Vale. It's probably someone that came to the academy and never made it at United. Okay, so the players in my head is James Wilson, but I can't remember. Was he? Because he, didn't he score twice on the final day? or the final home game in 2014 when Giggs took charge after Moyes left. I know he scored twice that day, but I can't remember if that, was that his full debut He did, yeah. It makes too much sense to me. I'm I'm going to guess James Wilson.
0: You're absolutely right. James Wilson.
1: Was it? Nice. Who
0: scored four goals for Man United in total. Two on his debut. Yeah. Ryan Giggs brought him in as interim manager. Uh, We beat Hull 3-1 and things looked very good. And then... I think we ended the season with a 1-1 draw at Sunderland I think or maybe Southampton I can't remember but yeah Wilson then God, I mean he did such play a weird
1: period in United's history Yeah
0: he did have a, he had about a season I think he played made played about 30 times for United No 20 times but still respectable and he's he's built a good career for himself now which is good.
1: Was he at another club before Port Vale permanently? Yeah, so I know he went out on loan a few times. Yeah, so
0: the last he would have been, I was at United for more than 15 years and left the club after loans in the Premier League Championship and Scottish Premiership. He was at Brighton, Sheffield United, there was one other championship club, which has just slipped my mind, and Aberdeen. And then he moved to Aberdeen permanently, then to Salford City, and then to Port Vale.
1: Oh, it was Salford. yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So he's moved up a level from Salford to Port Vale. But yeah, let's dive into our Patreon Q&A. Some interesting questions. And for our regular listeners, we'll see you after this short break. Okay. We're back from our Patreon Q&A. Some interesting discussions, especially on uh, rotation and Eric Ten Hag's lack thereof and whether that's a positive or not. If you want to sign up to become a patron and hear that every week, you can do so. If you go to our Twitter at UTD Weekly Pod, P-O-D at the end there, and you'll find a link on with information and how to do that for as little as £1.50 a -A 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 month. Let's talk about the U-teams the low Knees and United Women there was no under-21s game this weekend but the under-18s did play Derby County away from home missing a load of key plays. Uh, and the first half was poor it looked like they were missing players and after conceding to Dijon Brown's goal matters got worse when Eli Harrison who's in form very talented goalkeeper he was taken off injured things did improve after the break significantly Uh, Victor Moussa finished off a wonderful team move with a 78th minute back post tapping United then looked likely to get a winner as the final whistle approached but it wasn't quite to be there's a lot of injuries but that's nine games unbeaten now in the league Very good given the absentees, a mixture of injuries, players out on loan or promoted to under-21s due to others going out on loan. Sonny Algefri and Dan Gore represented the Boys Academy at Monday afternoon's Munich Memorial Service and the club's under-13 side travelled to Munich to attend the service there and represent the club, including uh, doing an education session with, I think with Bayern Munich's uh, youngsters, uh, telling them about the Munich Air Disaster, which is a lovely thing the club do each year and yeah. Very, very worthwhile, Jack. What's the Loney headlines this week?
1: There wasn't too much in the way of notable action, honestly, for United's Loney's this weekend. No,
0: no, Ahmad goals this week.
1: No, Ahmad goals this week. He did play another ninety minutes for Sunderland against Millwall. That no,
0: is, it's fair enough. He's been, he's been stealing the headlines for far too many weeks. Now.
1: <laughs> and in fairness, Sunderland have been on a great run as well. So it's kind of, would you a, a maybe slightly poorer performance and result. So they drew 1 1 against Millwall. Ahmad was kept pretty quiet for most of the game, but he does have an opportunity to get back in the spotlight this week because on Wednesday, at the same time as United play Leeds, actually, Sunderland have their FA Cup replay against Fulham at home at Stadium Alight, which will, I'm oh, sure, will okay. be bouncing for that. And yeah. Ahmad impressed last time against Fulham, so hopefully he can do the same again. Alvaro Fernandes um, has really fallen out of favour at Preston over the last few weeks. Robbie Brady, the former Burnley and Norwich left winger slash left wing back slash left and, back
0: and Manchester United yeah
1: and former academy player has uh, he was out injured for a little bit in December and January Fernandez kind of kept his place but Robbie Brady has taken that wing back spot spot back from him and Fernandes hasn't played much then so just got 10 minutes for Preston as they lost to Bristol City that, I
0: think that was the case at the start of the season as well that Brady was starting games and Fernandes was coming off the bench and then yeah. he managed to kind of wrestle away that starting spot so yeah I he think- played
1: he played seems he started pre- pretty much every game after the uh, after the World Cup in sort of end of December until about the twentieth of January, and since then he hasn't started.
0: Yeah, I would say it's, it's equally good experience to try and fight for your position back as it is yeah. to play the games.
1: Yeah, and and listen, part of those players going out on loan isn't obviously game time is a big one, but it's also about experiencing being part of a first team squad and learning from players like Robbie Brady, who's you know been around for donkey's years. Yeah. In slightly better news for a United fullback Ethan Laird returned from injury. Remember a few weeks ago, there were worries he might be out for a long time with a muscle injury. He did come back and play the full 90 minutes for QPR against Huddersfield.
0: Hannibal, talk to me. I heard some good things.
1: Yeah, he played really well. He came on at halftime for Birmingham. They beat Swansea 4-3 at the yeah. weekend. And Hannibal get, got the assist for their winning goal in the 97th minute, as it from then, straight from a corner.
0: Yeah. And they only equalised in the 90th minute. And just yep. to make matters better, because this is typical Hannibal, he was booked a minute after um, <laughs> getting the assist. I don't actually know what that was for, but it seems pretty... Uh, pretty.
1: I mean, it's, it's properly on brand. There
0: oh, we go. Exceed, excessive celebration. Yeah.
1: not Unsurprising, <laughs> to be honest. Good man. Uh, and then the, the three new lonies have just gone out on loan for United that we've mentioned throughout January. Charlie Savage... Charlie McNeil and Deshaun Bernard. Charlie Savage wasn't actually in the squad for the Forest Green game, but I've got two. I've got two sort of random manager tidbits for you. On Charlie Savage on loan at Forest Green, managed by Duncan Ferguson, played against Peterborough, managed by Darren Ferguson. <laughs> so we had Duncan Ferguson against Darren nice. Ferguson, and then for Portsmouth, do you know? You might have seen this on Twitter because he had some quotes recently. Do you know the name of the Portsmouth manager where Deshaun Bernard has gone on loan? Uh,
0: no, because Danny, Danny and Nicky Cowley got sacked. I can't remember who replaced them. Oh, is it? Is it, is it fake, um, so I, fake I Mourinho?
1: This, yeah, exactly. It's English Mourinho. So it's yeah. not Jose Mourinho, it's John Moussinho, managing yeah. Portsmouth. Um, so Deshaun Barnard started and played the entire 90 minutes for Portsmouth against Barnsley. English shot Jose Mourinho was very impressed with Barnard's performance. He had some a lot of good things to say about him after the game. Barnard played at right back instead of his usual centre-back because Portsmouth had got some injuries there. And yeah, jo- John Mousinho—I was <laughs> say Jose Mourinho, jo- John Mousinho had was very, very uh, had a lot of praise for Barnard after the game, saying how well he played, Good. especially in the second half. And was just praising his versatility and how well he can do it right back. So expect him to. Yeah, because he. More sorry, there. just
0: interrupt. He, I think Bernard wanted a championship loan because he did well at Hull City last season. He fell out of favor with. Uh, they had a change of manager yeah. halfway through and fell out of favor a bit. But he had done really well. He got Player of the Month, possibly, uh, definitely for Hull City. He was in a couple of, of Team of the Weeks and play and Team of the Months for in the Football League as well. But Portsmouth will be good, and it's. It's good because at Holly was in kind of an underperforming team and at Portsmouth he's in a slightly better, not perfect, hence they've sat their managers before, but a team that's like pushing for promotion so it's a slightly different challenge. And it's, there's another centre-back as well that's gone under the radar a bit because he wasn't playing for ages, but Will Fisher uh, at Hibernian has just started getting himself into the team every week for Hibernian, uh, played 90 minutes again and played really well against St Mirren in a 1-0 win in the Scottish Premiership.
1: Yeah, and then the only other one was Charlie McNeil. He started against uh, Swindon for Newport, played 70 minutes, didn't have the most impact on the game. It's a relatively quiet day, but good at least that he got the start on his first appearance for, for Newport. Expecting some, some good things for Charlie McNeil down at Newport. I think it's a good opportunity for him, you know. Playing in League Two, I think he could uh, he could really have a good second half of the season. Don't yeah,
0: the final ones, Andre Mastny uh, went to Portadown in Northern Ireland. He made his debut the weekend and uh, Maxi Maxioy at Ultronham was joined late on in the window by Sonny Aljafri, who I mentioned earlier, and um, Joe Hugel, who are on a slightly new form of loan where they will keep training with United. They're still allowed to play for United's under-21s, but they can also play for Ultranum um in the National League, which is really interesting, really good for all three of them. Um and yeah, we'll see how that goes. It's it's a really interesting one to keep track of. As for United women, uh highly frustrating Sunday afternoon for them at Lee Sports Village, held to a nil 0 draw by Everton and thereby dropping off the top of the table as Chelsea, inspired by ex Red Lauren James's stunning solo goal, beat Tottenham three two away from home. Everton a much improved side compared to recent seasons, but this result will, well, does feel like a defeat for United, who hit the post and the crossbar, but couldn't convert chances despite a wealth of attacking talent. Plenty of criticism for the manager, Mark Skinner, after this game. There has been in a section of the team support for several months, actually, including members of that core Barmy army group who are every game. They believe he's not getting enough out of the squad, shown a bit too much favouritism to certain players, but United are second and very much in the title race. And we'll hopefully finish in the, the magic top three to secure Champions League qualification. It's a really interesting one, the kind of debate around Mark Skinner there. And uh, we'll try to speak to someone about that soon, either Andy Slater from the Fandini who's been before or uh, Adam Millington, the freelance women's football reporter. So we'll, we'll, we'll get them on soon to have a bit of a, a deep dive into that. Right, leads. Jesse Marsh has been sacked as Leeds manager just before we started recording this. That does change things. Former United assistant or at least coach Chris Armas is going to be taking charge of them, we think, for the, at least the Wednesday game, possibly the Sunday game as well. Regardless, of, let's try and put that to one side because it, it, it's otherwise quite difficult to preview this at all. But... um it's a bit of a worry the new manager bounce, but let's leave that because we can't predict that. I, in general, I think this will be very different to our previous games against Leeds. We haven't played them for I think about a year. They were good in transitions. We were better in transitions. Now United are showing some actual control over games, and we need to do that again. But I think it, I, th- I think and I hope that we're going to see a more dominant United display against Leeds this time around.
1: I mean, definitely at home. You know, Le- Leeds are always a little bit yeah. of a, a strange team to play because. Even if you want to be like on paper, this definitely should be the kind of game where United are coming in, dominating pretty much from the off, you know, with not too much trouble coming the other way. But just the way that Leeds approaches, uh, the way that Leeds approach games, don't really allow for that. Like even in games when we've beaten Leeds really comfortably, as we have done a couple of times since they've come back to the Premier League, they they haven't been games where you'd say United were dominating in the way that we dominated for the first seventy minutes against Palace. It's always a, no. a little bit different to that. It's always a little bit more helter skelter. But maybe we are, mu- we are much better Chris- now. We are much better now. And obviously, Chris Armas coming in, maybe, maybe they will change and look to be a little bit more risk averse with the sort of temporary man- manager in charge. You, you don't know, but you've got to imagine the game at Old Trafford will be relatively comfortable and then we'll have probably a much bigger task on our hands going to Ellen Road at the weekend.
0: Because they are, I mean, Leeds are rubbish, but yeah, they the are. problem is they're rubbish against poor teams and they're causing the big sides problem.
1: I mean, their only away when the season was at Anfield. And I know that's not as difficult yeah. as it has been in previous seasons, but it's still not it still, nothing. yeah.
0: No no team's got fewer points away from home this season than Leeds, but three of those were picked up at Anfield, which I think is, yeah, it's a small example, but I, I do think it tells a wider story that they do cause big teams problems because they can pick you off on, on the counter-attack. Yeah. Um, yeah. But they're not a good team, and as losing to Forest. Especially,
1: show. they're not a good team, though. The player that, that worries me in this game is Nanto, who has been brilliant yeah. for the last yeah, month I think or so.
0: they've got loads of players that can worry like Harrison and Aronson. Um yes. unintended to link those two names <laughs> together, but they are they are good players and, and there's no doubt about that. But uh, and they've made a couple of good signings as well in Western McKenney and Mark Rocker and uh, Yeah. Geronimo Rutter and. I, know, I don't but, think we've
1: ever really covered this, but Mark Rocker was your uh, United pick a couple of years ago. I remember that. And actually, yeah. he's played for really, quite well for Leeds this season.
0: Yeah. I'd, I'd completely forgotten that. Was he at Espanol he was at? It shows at how that ridiculous point, But then he went to Bayern,
1: didn't he? Yeah, he did. Yeah. He I was at Espanol when you first mentioned him, and then he went to Bayern, and now he's Leeds.
0: God. I genuinely, I'd completely forgotten about that. I'd basically forgotten who he was, but it shows you how ridiculous. <laughs> kind of transfer talk is you can't just you can't pick people there are people paid to do that and it's not us Um, in terms of how we approach this you want to control it but I think this is one of those games where Tanag's spoken a lot recently about rest defence which is I think a pretty foreign term in English football that is a little difficult to understand because the term rest here is associated with kind of sleeping rather than what you leave behind, which is what it's meant to mean. He's translated it from German. It basically means the players left behind in defence when you have the ball and you're on the attack. The ones who are ready to defend in those seconds after you lose the ball. United has been much better recently and spoken about that. This is one of those games where it will need to be very good because Leeds will counter-attack and do it very quickly. So yeah. It's interesting. I think they they are really there to to be got at.
1: Yeah, hundred uh, percent. Th- this feels like the kind of game where if United score in the first fifteen minutes, we could run up the score line pretty heavily. Yeah, here. well, we've
0: done it before. Uh, well,
1: yeah, exactly. It it could go a different way. I think if if this is nil nil at half time or you know, the game could get a little bit uncomfortable. But I, I you can't really look at this game and predict anything other than quite a comfortable United win. Really, based on the form of the two teams recently.
0: I've, it's probably the most confident you've been going into a game.
1: I mean, I, I just—at
0: least from what you're saying there—I
1: wouldn't say it's like Dude, the most. Is that what confident. you feel? I, mean, like I was—I've also been very confident for games in like, against people like Forest recently. But you just—it's at, at home at the moment. I'm confident against anyone, honestly.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah.
1: I, I, you know, if we if we do an episode before the the away game, I'd probably sing a very different tune. But at home, yeah, yeah, they're very. I think we should games, comfortably yeah. win.
0: Yeah, I think we should. I watched uh, Pascal Strike play at left back against Forrest and he was terrible. <laughs> we should be targeting him, him in a big way. Big, big way. But yeah, we really should get them. I thought, I think it was worth remembering last season as well um, because it's a fairly similar time, these games, as, as the away game at Elm Road. For all the shit that we endured, including against City and Liverpool, it did help. Our two games against Leeds were just absolutely immense. 5-1 yeah. at home to start the season and then that absolute crack of a 4-2 away, which was before we went to Madrid. Interesting, that, as with last season, it's a trip to Ellen Road before an immensely difficult European tie away to yeah, a Spanish true. heavyweight just a few days later. Because I remember landing in, in Alicante en route to Madrid to see the Atleti game. I flew there instead of to Madrid because it was cheaper and picked up a copy of either Marca or A.S., and I dug out the, the section on the Premier League to see the report on on that game. It was a big picture of Harry Maguire kind of running away in the Ellen Road rain. And I sat in the sun waiting for a train to Madrid with a little portion of Tapa and a little Cagno of Sylvester and a report on Manchester United 4, Leeds United 2. And it was absolute bliss. And this time it'll be to Barcelona. This time, I, ironically, I'll be flying to Madrid direct and getting the train from there, which is very silly. But hopefully will have exactly the same buzz, this time having beaten Leeds twice rather than just once. And that's probably an appropriate way to end. Jack, for more from you throughout the week and your immediate reaction to the Leeds game, where can people find you on Twitter? You
1: can find me at utdtait, T-A-I-T.
0: And you can find me at Harry Robinson 64 and the podcast itself at UTD Weekly Pod. That's P-O-D at the end there. Thank you very much for listening. Have a great week. Goodbye.